WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the lineup with Dave Proadam. I'm today's guest host, Mitchell Salazar. On today's episode, we have none other than former runner-up to the World Pro Junior title, San Diego Zone, Alyssa Spencer. The 20-year-old from San Diego, California, looks to join the elite ranks of the championship tour, a former top 10 surfer on the Challenger Series two years in a row, number 10 in 2021 and number 7 in 2022. She's coming off of a big win at the Corona Sacuarema Pro in November last year on the CS, starting off the year with a ninth place at Snapper Rocks, working with the legendary Matt Myers. Welcome, none other than San Diego's finest, Alyssa Spencer to the podcast. The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? We can shut your lips. And then I'll just say, put them up once. Let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. All right, everybody, welcome back to the lineup. Today's episode is one of the funnest we're going to have because today's guest is none other than former world junior champion runner up from San Diego, California. Antony was born and raised Alyssa Spencer, currently in Australia. Alyssa, you've been in Australia for, I think, over a month now. How's your time been in the land down under? Yeah, it's been super fun. I started my trip out down at Bell's and I was there for the trials and got some fun waves down there and then headed up to the Gold Coast after and got like a run of three weeks of swell, which is amazing. I was surfing like six hours every day. I think the waves were just perfect every day for like weeks on end. So that was definitely a highlight of my trip so far. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome. <laughs> well, you're talking about the Boosmo Gold Ghost Pro, a ninth place finish there. Great result to start off the year. And then you're going into Sydney, the GWM Sydney Surf Pro, which is another great event for you. We're going into a beach break, but the climate is a bit different than what we're normally used to seeing from both Snapper and Arabine. I'm interested to see uh, what it's like competing in a wetsuit when you're normally seeing a lot of people compete at this time of the year over there with trunks or a bikini on. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely been a little bit of a change up coming from the Gold Coast now here. Um, this morning was super cold. I think it was like 50 degrees. Um, but I'm pretty used to surfing in a wetsuit at home in California. So it doesn't really bother me too much. And yeah, the sandbar at Narrabeen has been super fun the last few days. So 
I'm really excited to get started here. <laughs> well, and back-to-back seasons where you're finishing in the top 10 on the Challenger Series, number seven last year in 2022, number 10 in 2021. You're only 20 years of age. You competed at home this year at the World Junior Championships. Great event. You unfortunately had to bow out early. You had an injury. But talk to me about the last few years in terms of consistency and working with, obviously, somebody that signed you to Rip Girl when you were 11 years old. Matt Myers has been in your corner, too. Yeah, it's been it's been such an awesome journey these last three years. Um, yeah, coming super close to qualifying has definitely been really exciting, but also pretty pretty hard to like come that close so many times. Um, but the amount that I've learned from all of these years, like just gaining a little bit more knowledge every year, is really cool. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to having another year to give it a crack. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's been amazing having Matt in my corner for the last pretty much two years we've been working together. Um, and I've known him since I was 11 years old. He was the one who signed me to Rip Curl and handed me my Rip Curl stickers. So yeah, we have a pretty special relationship that goes far back. And yeah, I'm excited to see what we can do this year. Well, 2022 was a great year for you, not only on the Challenger Series, but within the regional QS, too. You ended up becoming the champion within North America, only 19 years of age by the time the season ended. But four wins, both on the East Coast and on the West Coast. Talk to us about your adaptability when it comes to different ocean conditions and having to travel the world as a professional surfer, too, and not knowing what what to expect the location you go to. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, I enjoy the challenge of learning new places and showing up and having to, you know, figure out the lineup and kind of how the wave works. Um, We definitely have a lot of different stops to different waves throughout the year. So I I have a lot of fun kind of figuring it out and learning new waves. And um, yeah, it's definitely all a part of the challenge, but it's, yeah, it's super fun just like being able to surf a bunch of diverse places and of course some events we get pumping waves and other times we don't but I feel like you know you just got to keep a positive mindset no matter if the waves are firing or if it's one foot and onshore you know you got to be able to do it all so yeah. <laughs> well we're going to get into the ups and downs of competing and traveling a little bit later on but right now I want to focus on the biggest one of your career so far I was actually there I called the the entire event I said that you were the best surfer, the most consistent one. I was in the final. I called your win. And to me, it was incredible to see you accomplish a goal that you set for yourself for such a long time. That's the win on the Challenger Series last year. The second to last event, the Corona Sacuarema Pro. Having Matt, your whole crew that you train with in Brazil, in South America, a location that's known for its hostility, maybe when it comes to competition for foreigners. (laughs) What was it like winning your first major event outside of the country? in Brazil and Saquarema. Yeah, that was definitely a really special one for me. Um, By far the biggest event that I've ever won. And yeah, I think just the whole thing about that trip and everything, like it just went so well. And we had such an amazing crew there that we were all staying together in this beautiful house on the beach. And yeah, we had such a good program going and just having everyone down there for you know all of our heats cheering each other on was pretty amazing and just to be surrounded by such good energy I feel like really kind of helped lead me to success in that event um but yeah that was a huge breakthrough result for me and kind of gave me you know another level of confidence knowing that I can do it at that level and you know I had won regional QS events um but never broken into a win at the challenger series level so that was really special for me and definitely like a big stepping stone well i mean it's definitely a stepping stone because despite you not qualifying for the ct last season you did get a replacement surfer um spot into the event at pipeline earlier this year talk to us about competing at pipe for your first ever ct event even as a as a replacement surfer too must have been wild yeah for sure i got the call up like I think a week before pipe started. Um, And I really, I wasn't expecting to, you know, get into that event. I just thought, you know, chances are 
two girls getting out injured isn't that likely. So in the back of my head, I was like, oh, I don't even know if I'll get into an event this year. But yeah, to get the call up for the first event of the year, especially at Pipe, that was amazing. And I definitely had a lot of emotions, feeling nervous, you know, kind of a little bit just like anticipating what the forecast was going to look like, if it was going to be big or small or whatever it was, you know, Pipe is such a intimidating wave but um yeah it ended up being an amazing experience and I think if I could choose one event to get into the whole year it would be that one so it was really special what do you think the most special moment out of that event was for you um I think just enjoying my time in the lineup with no one out you know being out there on a normal day with a hundred guys it's pretty intimidating and gnarly to just you know be in that lineup it's really intense um so to have my own pick of whatever wave I wanted to go on when I had priority (laughs) was like so nice even though we didn't get the best waves and like pumping pipe it was just like amazing to be out there with no one out and yeah just try to soak it all up (laughs) and I mean you obviously saw the draw you knew who you were going up against. Uh, Steph actually last year wasn't able to surf in the event. Remember, she actually had to pull out. And I think if we would have extended uh, the waiting period a day longer, she actually would have been able to surf in the event, but she lost out. But then you see the inspirational road that she took all the way to the Rip Girl WSL finals was the number five seed going into final day competition of the year. Ended up beating Carissa Moore in the final two matches to become an eight-time world champion. When you see those people in the draw, and you look at people that maybe have inspired you throughout your entire competitive career and even just as a surfer in general, what's the first thing that the, that goes through your mind when you put on a rash guard and you see one of those people palling out with you? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely pretty crazy to, you know, see that I've <laughs> made it to a level where I get to surf against the girls that I've looked up to since I was little. Um, but yeah, I guess that I just, and really enjoy like the challenge of coming up against those girls on tour because that's that's where I want to be and you know if I want to be at that level you got to be able to surf against those girls so I think you know it can be like you can get a little bit starstruck like surfing against those girls but you kind of have to just put that past you and like yeah just go for it and you know, that's what competition's about. So yeah, I just, I really look forward to surfing against those girls that are pushing the level. And yeah, it's an amazing to have like those opportunities to be out in the water with them. Does it still feel a bit surreal for you at, at any point in time when you just see that person? Obviously you, you surfed against Carissa, who was one of the top seeds, you ended up bowing out in the event to her pipe. Ninth place finish, though, in your first event as a replacement server. Pretty good result, if you ask me, especially at Pipeline. But when you put on the jersey, you look at her and you're like, wow, like, I've made it. I'm one step away of becoming world champion. All I need is consistency. And that's what I feel like over the past three years, you've obviously had number 10 on the Challenger Series, number seven. I only think you could go off from here. I think when we look at the top five on the Challenger Series from the last few years, I think you have the same kind of accolades. That those people had in order to qualify what do you think is your biggest strength and maybe your biggest motivation going into 2023 yeah i think it's kind of the same motivation i guess the past few years it's just that it's always been my dream to be on tour since i was a little girl and um yeah every year i'm just trying to improve my surfing and push my level and you know i think There's so many girls on the Challenger Series that, you know, have the level to be on tour. And it's so competitive, you know, there's so many of us. So it's really just about who can be the most consistent, I think. And this year, that's definitely going to be my goal is to try to get really consistent results in all the events Um, because we only get two drops. So, you know, my goal is third place or better in all of the events um I think that that would be like I feel like quarters are better in every event should be able to get you in a place somewhat close to qualification but you know it's 
it's tough. Like last year, I think I had maybe three quarterfinal finishes and a win and it was still Mm -hmm. just a couple spots short. So it's definitely like pretty gnarly when you look at it as far as like what results you need. But um, yeah, I think just trying to keep that consistency throughout the year is definitely going to be, you know, my biggest goal, I guess. (laughs) Well, that's kind of what I wanted to get into now is because there's been those moments of brilliance for you where we've seen it, those fifth place finishes. You had a ninth last year besides the win as well. But that mid-year stop at the Van Zeeus Open and surfing last season was kind of the one that was very difficult for you to overcome, I feel, especially defending home soil here in the United States. Not the result you wanted. How do you think you can turn things around when it comes to competing here on the Challenger Series within the United States? Yeah, for sure. I know the U.S. Open has definitely been one of my weaker points on the Challenger the last few years. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess maybe just feeling, like, a little bit of pressure, just competing at home has kind of just almost let it get to me a little bit. Um, so I think just working on, like, my – mental strength I guess and just really enjoying competing at home in front of my friends and family and kind of taking yeah a little bit of a mindset that way just kind of looking at it in a different way um but yeah I'm really looking forward to that event because it's definitely one of my favorite ones of the year but hopefully I can get a good result this year in front of everyone at home (laughs) So after saying that, do you think you haven't enjoyed it to the same level that you enjoy competing outside of the country on the other Challenger Series events? Because it seems to me like since I've seen you grow up through the amateur ranks, especially through USA Surfing and NSSA, Huntington's always been a good stop for you. Yeah, for sure. I I really enjoy competing at Huntington, um, especially in my junior years, like doing NSSA and, you know, a lot of the, like, just Grom events that we used to have. Um, I felt like I always did really well there. So, yeah, I don't really know <laughs> exactly <laughs> what has been the deal the last few years, but <laughs> it's all good. Um, but, yeah, I think just, yeah, I don't know, just trying to improve and maybe putting in a little bit more time there. <laughs> I feel like when I'm home, I don't really go up to Huntington that often. So, <laughs> maybe preparing a little bit more before this next event. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I personally really enjoy surfing there. So yeah, hopefully we can turn it around. <laughs> you got spoiled surfing the waves in Encinita, Seaside Reef and what else. So it's hard to come over to our beach breaks and try to get closeouts all the time, especially in the summertime when it's crowded, it's closing out. And I feel like your reef breaks in San Diego are way better. This is a, a big topic, though, Alyssa. Um, I want to get into the fact that there's such a minimal way of getting onto the championship tour as a female surfer. Even the men, I mean, 10 qualifying <laughs> isn't a large amount of surfers. But five on the women's side is just ludicrous. I mean, we're talking about five people that if they don't have at least three results in the semifinals or better, you really need to almost win two events to make it onto the championship tour. How do you think it could potentially change down the line? How do you think women's surfing will evolve if you get a larger amount of surfers on the championship tour? Yeah, I think that it would be amazing to have, you know, a larger number of girls qualifying from the Challenger Series onto the tour. Um, I think that there's enough talent for them to, you know, open up that pool a little bit more. Um, Yeah, I just, I feel like even down to like, the top 20 on the challenger series all of those girls are at the level to qualify for tour so it's really like amazing to see us all be so competitive you know there's only five <laughs> spots it's it's pretty like pretty gnarly um just as far as you know how consistent you have to be and pretty much you need a win throughout the year if you want to be anywhere near that qualification you know, number of the top five. Um, But yeah, I think that there's definitely enough talent for them to maybe open up a couple more spots. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be maybe the same 36 people that we see on the men's side each event, but 
I feel like at least 24 females on the championship tour would allow for more women to qualify through the challenger series. It would put less weight on the cut, I feel, too. And people wouldn't be so preoccupied about trying to requalify through the championship tour immediately, knowing that they still have the challenger series. So, I mean, that's just kind of my proposition. I'd like to see them be a bit more diverse because I don't think without this format, we'd have the likes of Caitlin Simmers on the championship tour. I don't think we'd have Sakura on tour. And now the big win of India Robinson on, at Snapper Rocks on the Gold Coast, huge win for her after coming back from a big concussion a few years ago. So in the end, I think it would just open more doors for a lot of young ladies worldwide. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. I It would be really cool to see them open that up. And yeah, I just, I feel like there's so many girls around the world that have the level to be on tour. And yeah, it would be cool to see them, you know, open up a couple more spots. <laughs> so speaking of your peers, Challenger Series is stacked. The CT is obviously the highest level competition competitive surfing in the world. When you look at your peers, people have qualified. Caitlin Simmons came up through the ranks with you. Luana Silva was within the USA surfing program as well. But you see a lot of young talent coming up from different parts of the world. Now, Teresa Bombolo, Bakina Fierro from France, originally from Tahiti. Who's the person do you think pushes you the most out of all of them right now? That's a really hard question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could just choose one, honestly. You know, there's so many girls that are pushing the level right now. And I feel like, you know, yeah, mainly just all of the girls that you named there, like, are pushing the level of women surfing. And I think that it's such a unique and like special time to be a part of women's surfing and women's sports right now because we're all really really pushing the level and um yeah it's just such a cool time to be a part of it and really exciting um but I don't know if I could choose just one girl there's so many so many good girls out there <laughs> so if you had to name three right off the top of your head where you're like okay like, this is a heat where I really need to focus, surf to my full potential. I need to use priority as well as I can. Who would three of those be? I think Caitlin Simmers definitely comes to mind. Um, Betty Lou, she's so gnarly. Um, and maybe Gabrielle O'Brien is another one that comes mm. to mind. She's just so powerful and her rail game is like next level so yeah but there's so many like in my head I'm like I keep thinking of more people <laughs> that's a that's a good call out though I think Gabriella Ryan is very underrated first of all and I think there's times where she doesn't get the right amount of exposure like really prolonged to her talent I feel like that yeah. she's so talented and such a good competitive so doesn't she go under the radar to you yeah for sure if I were to draw her in a heat I definitely would be you know <laughs> knowing that I have to show up with my best game because she's gnarly <laughs> <laughs> all right let's talk about life on the challenger series and even on the QS too I did the qualifying series we still didn't have the challenger series at that time so I didn't have the luxurious life that you have on the CS Alyssa <laughs> but to our audience could you please explain why the Challenger Series is so much more different than the QS? Yeah, I guess the QS is more like your regional tour. So you have your events that happen in your region and you have to finish within the top four or five, I think, of each region to qualify onto the Challenger Series. So it's definitely a pretty big deal to be in the top of your region to qualify onto the Challenger Series. And then... Yeah, once you get there, we have a pretty awesome schedule starting at Snapper and then going to Narrabeen now. Um, and then I think it's South Africa, U.S. Open, Portugal, and Brazil, yeah. <laughs> um, which are all like amazing waves around the world. And yeah, I feel like we all work really hard to make it to the top of our regional rankings to be able to get onto the Challenger Series and surf those amazing waves and then have your shot at hopefully ending up in the top five to be on the tour. <laughs> Did you notice an immediate change in your finances when the CS started in comparison to having to do the QS worldwide? 
Yeah, for sure. I definitely think that, you know, there was a big change there because you couldn't really, you know, pick and choose what events you wanted to do around the world. It's kind of just like you have your set schedule of these eight events. Well, now it's six events for the year. Um, And yeah, I felt like before, you know, you could kind of choose if you wanted to miss an event here or there or just go to do, you know, the bigger events. Um, So it definitely has changed quite a bit. But yeah. (laughs) So out of the events that we have on the Challenger Series schedule right now, if you had to pick your favorite one, which one would you say? Um, I mean, I would have to say Brazil because of how <laughs> well I did there last year. Um, but I think my favorite wave is probably Snapper. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to surf out there with no one out is just like a dream because normally you're surfing with a hundred of your best friends out there. Um, and it's so hard to get waves. So having the opportunity to surf out there when it's pumping and one other person out is like, you know, there's nothing else like it. <laughs> I like it. Even as a goofy footer, snapper's still one of your favorite waves, huh? Yeah, I love I love going backside. So yeah, snapper it is. <laughs> yeah. I like the answer. Well, let's get a quick word in from our sponsors first and then we'll continue right back with our conversation with Alyssa Spencer. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. All right, welcome back to the lineup here with San Diego's Alyssa Spencer, number 10 on the Challenger Series rankings in 2021, number seven on the CS in 2022. Alyssa, before the break, I asked you what your favorite stop on the Challenger Series was. You answered Brazil because you obviously had good memories there. There's a big change to the CS this year, though. Less stops, first of all. We don't have France since 2021. But this year in particular, we do not have the addition of Haleiwa to the tour schedule. The reason I bring this up is because it's obviously been a very difficult event to qualify at. But most importantly, the format at that event is so much more different than the format at every other event on Challenger Series. Each final, four people, every heat that you're surfing is four people there. Adjusting to that event after having competed in many before that, What's it like having that approach competitively in a four, three-person heat compared to head-to-head matchups? Yeah, it's definitely a much different approach, you know, as far as your heat strategy going into four-person heat rather than man-on-man heat. Um, But yeah, I feel like we get quite a bit of it, like quite a bit of both throughout the year because 
our first round heat start as four person and then you have to make a couple rounds to make it into those man-on-man heats so yeah I feel like we get quite a bit of experience in both but it definitely you know changes your strategy a bit going from one to another and yeah it's each one has its own different challenges but um yeah (laughs) Yeah, and even still moving into the quarter semis if you're needing a result there say you're not making the heat third place could really matter in the end in terms of the points for you to qualify for the championship tour did you ever have any of those moments going through your mind when you're competing at the last event in Haleiwa yeah definitely um I've remembered just the last couple of years, if I was in a position where, you know, I, I wasn't making the heat, but I, you know, had a chance to just get myself one spot further from fourth to third, you know, you always are just trying to, I guess, think about that in the back of your mind, because you never know, it could just come down to one place at the last event. And um, yeah, that definitely does fall a little bit into strategy if you're you know falling behind in a heat and you know maybe can only do that to get yourself from fourth to third so it is it is an interesting one there because you know that event is so much different to all the other ones because it is four people in each heat all the way through um but yeah it's Haliva has definitely always been a little bit of a challenge for me um but it'll be pretty interesting not having the year finished there because I'm so used to just coming to Hawaii to end the year every year but um I'm definitely looking forward to it ending in Brazil (laughs) well I would think that's beneficial to you (laughs) obviously having good memories there having one last year not having that pressure of having to go to Hawaii and compete in those four person heats first of all but also going to a spot where there was a good amount of time in between the last two events as well here, it's like, you know, you're going to Portugal, you have a break, and then it's game time going into Brazil. When it's like that, when you have maybe three or four weeks off in between events, is there anything that you can tell us that changes when it comes to preparing for the biggest event of your life at that time? Yeah, I think it's always definitely a little bit of a challenge going from one event to another so quickly. Um, you have to definitely be really resilient and learn how to you know balance the highs and lows and enjoy you know if you did really well at one event you know enjoying the win or you know however you did for a little while but then being able to reset and go into the next event with like a clear mind and same thing with a loss like you know putting it behind you and being able to reset going into the next event so That's definitely something that I feel like I'm always working on and always learning. Um, But yeah, that's definitely one of the biggest challenges, I think, going from back-to-back events like so quickly. So it's better for you. You would think it's more beneficial to not only yourself, to everybody, to have a larger amount of time in between events. I think so. I, yeah, I think it depends. It's just, yeah, it's, you know, if you're coming off a loss, it definitely can be hard to, you know, reset and go into the next one. But coming off a win, you have a lot of confidence. So I think it just depends on, you know, the result that you end up with in the event before. But um, yeah, I feel like that's just something that, you know, you're always having to deal with in competition and something that I'm learning in every event. So yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to write a note here on my in my little notebook. I'm going to write to Travis Logie, one of our directors of person competition, specifically for the CS. <laughs> if Alyssa Spencer is on a roll, let's just have the event next week in the next location, okay? Let's get it going so that Perfect. we can qualify. <laughs> okay. We talked about your favorite stop. We talked about wanting to qualify for the championship tour. But people that have motivated you, inspired you to pursue this career as a professional surfer. Let's get your take on who your biggest inspiration as a, as a surfer has been in your life. Yeah, I think just watching all of the girls that have come before me on tour, like Chris and Steph and, you know, all of those girls from that generation have always been my biggest role models in surfing. Um, And watching them, you know, push the level over the years has definitely instilled that dream in me when I was younger. 
Um, but yeah, and then where I come from in Encinitas, there's a lot of amazing surfers that have come out of there. So I think growing up around such a rich like surf community and um, yeah, it's been really cool to be brought up around those people. And I think that all of those things have combined to kind of give me inspiration. Well, you, you kind of played it way too cool right there. You come from <laughs> one of the hottest surf spots in the world. Encinitas in San Diego County, California, is easily one of the most talented places when it comes to surfing. Rob Machado, maybe the second greatest surfer of all time, right behind Kelly Slater, easily one of the greatest styles in the world, one of the most influential surfers of all time. One of the kids from my generation, Taylor Clark, we call him TC, amazing surfer. Zach Keenan, old school ripper. And obviously, you have Chris Cote, one of our uh, co-colleagues as a broadcaster as well. Encinitas, rich in surfing, but also within waves. A lot of reef breaks, heavier waves. How do you think growing into those kind of waves, and especially having to surf with all of those talented surfers around you, just kind of made your own style? Yeah, for sure. It's been such an amazing place to grow up as a surfer. We have so many different waves, you know, being able to start out and learn surfing at like Cardiff Reef we have a lot of really mellow longboard waves to kind of start out and then you know we have all of the reef breaks around where you can kind of work your way up and um, yeah it's been a cool place to just you know have so many diverse waves to kind of really I guess learn a lot of different waves when I was growing up so yeah I think that just Growing up surfing there has really helped me grow into who I am now. <laughs> Are you originally from a surfing family? Because I know your brother, your younger brother, Ty, is a competitive surfer through the amateur ranks here in the United States as well. But are your parents surfers as well, Alyssa? Yeah, my dad surfs and he's surfed since he was little. So he taught me when I was a baby and we would always be at the beach when he was surfing so it was kind of like you know either you can sit on the beach or you can go surf with dad <laughs> um so yeah I just got into it that way and yeah he's the one who taught me <laughs> what about your mom my mom surfs a little bit um she'll go out on like longboards if it's warm summer day <laughs> um but yeah so my whole family pretty much surfs so we were always at the beach when I was little and my brother got into surfing too when we were little. So we definitely pushed each other. It felt like, you know, we're both really competitive. And if I saw him doing something, I would want to do it better. So <laughs> we definitely pushed each other a lot growing up. And yeah, it was just always something fun for my family to do together. Um, just going surfing every day. <laughs> well, I, I think this is an interesting topic to have. Because I come from, you know, second generation surfer as well. My father surfed, my other brother surfed. But if you were to give advice to someone that's a first generation surfer, comes from a non-surfing family, I, I think you've probably seen Liv Stone, who's originally from Pennsylvania here in the United States. She lives in Oceanside now, but she's been a gold medalist at the ISA level in parasurfing. If you were to give somebody a motivational message or how to get involved in surfing when they don't come from a surfing background originally, what would it be? Yeah, I think, you know, just having fun with it and not being too hard on yourself. I know that, you know, when people are starting out surfing, it can be pretty difficult, you know, trying, like, I don't know, I guess just watching other people, it can look so easy. And someone like me who's been surfing my whole life, you know, it comes really naturally to me. But I think just having fun with it and not being too hard on yourself and just, you know, enjoying being in the ocean and yeah, I guess, yeah, just having fun with it. That would be like my biggest thing. <laughs> so that's just to get involved in surfing in general. But if you were to give advice to somebody who's starting their competitive journey, how to deal with the highs and lows, the ups and downs, <laughs> wins and losses, what's the first thing of advice that you'd give to them? Yeah, I feel like, you know, we're always like, even now, I'm still learning how to deal with the highs and lows of competition. And I feel like just 
not being too hard on yourself when you have those losses because you know you you can't win everything I feel like in our minds we always are striving for that goal that we have but we're not going to you know be able to get there every time especially in surfing you have so many variables that are out of your control when you're dealing with the ocean so kind of you know just letting go a little bit and you know learning from your mistakes but also not being too hard on yourself when there are things that are out of your control like if a wave doesn't come or whatever it is we're dealing with the ocean so it's always a challenge i love that you brought in the word variables because surfing is easily the sport that has the most amount of variables and environmental factors that affect it directly i find that surprising still and i stopped competing a few years ago now, which I'm very glad of. I don't have to deal with any of that pressure or the stress anymore. But when we choose a sport, a competitive sport, that's first of all individual, and then we tend to lose way more than we win at, what do you think is at the deepest part of the core of a competitive surfer that makes them want to continue to push towards being better? Oh, that's a good question. I think... For me, I'm just like such a competitive person that I have so much drive that comes off of, you know, I guess the wins and the losses. Like when I lose out in a heat, you know, all the work that I've put in, I'm just like, oh, like I want it so bad. And like, I'm always so fired up to, you know, keep working hard and you know want to just keep working towards my goal until I can get there um so yeah I think that I don't know I guess like the wins and the losses both drive me really hard to want to keep working and want to keep getting better and also seeing you know the girls around me pushing the level I feel like seeing my peers do well and you know someone like Caitlin Simmers seeing her qualify and win a tour event it really pushes me to want to keep working and you know I feel like when I see her do that I'm like oh like I could do that too you just gotta keep working till you get there so yeah I think all of those things (laughs) so FOMO almost the fear of missing out is is kind of what keeps you (laughs) pushing yourself basically (laughs) so we got the giggles out of the way let's focus on the serious stuff now the people behind you. First of all, Matt Myers, a great friend of mine. I love him. Former judge for the ASP WSL, former Rip Curl Teams and Promotions Manager. He signed you to your first contract with Rip Curl at age 11. But then the people you travel with too. Last year, uh, Myers Surf Mentorship had a couple different people that aren't there right now. Levi Slauson, Nolan Raposa, Sam Sibley. Now you got a couple really cool people on board with you, including the newest member of the team, Brody Sale. What's it like having a little bit of extra motivation when you're traveling with people that are so nice, first of all, and just as competitive as you? Yeah, it definitely makes a huge difference, I think. You know, having those people to really push you while you're training and also just to have, like, a good time when you're traveling. It's nice to have kind of, like, a little family away from home that you're always with and, you know, always have there if you need anything and are there to support you through all the ups and downs. Um, So yeah, it's definitely made, I feel like a really big difference the last few years having Matt and his crew kind of, you know, to travel with and to have as sparring partners too. And this year we have um, Bahine Fiera. She's a part of Matt's crew. So it's been really cool just I mean, Snapper was the first event that we've been together with Matt, but she's really pushes me so much. And, you know, we're right there knocking on the door of qualification these last few years. So I feel like we're really good sparring partners for each other and, you know, really bring out that competitive side of each other during our trainings and, you know, really push each other to want to get to that next level. So I'm really looking forward to the rest of the year working with her and, um, yeah, she's also such a sweetheart. So it's been really <laughs> cool to get to know her and just, you know, have fun traveling and doing things outside the water, too. Don't sell yourself short, okay? You're, you're <laughs> just as, as much a sweetheart as she is. But <laughs> is it necessary for you? Do you feel like 
it's always great having at least one female within the group that you're staying with rather than just hanging out with guys all day. Yeah, I think it's nice to have a girl around to have a little bit of balance, but um, I'm pretty used to traveling with the guys as well. And, you know, I don't mind it, but it's definitely nice to have another girl around just to have that female presence around. (laughs) So correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard a rumor that when you guys were in Brazil, you had a group chat going and that you had challenges for everybody, that somebody needed to text each other or something like that. And that there were these little challenges in Brazil when you were in Saquarema. What I know you lost one. Can you go and tell us to our audience what was the challenge you needed to do? <laughs> we would play lots of like card games, and it was you know whoever lost the card game had to do these challenges. And um, I I think that my when I lost my challenge was that I had to text someone. saying something about I think it was asking them if the tap water had gotten to them too like drinking the tap water and made them sick (laughs) and I had to text someone that I like I don't think I had ever talked to in my life and pretty much ask them if they had been drinking the tap water and if it got to them too (laughs) Do do you know who you ended up texting I can't remember right now, but I don't know if I ever even got a text back. (laughs) (laughs) It was probably so embarrassing that they didn't want to. Oh, it was, it was, it was pretty funny. So we've had some pretty funny moments with that. Um, I think that (laughs) maybe one of the best ones is when Rio lost, he had to wear his wetsuit to dinner. in um south africa and me and well me and rio lost that game so rio had to be in his full suit and then we had to be leashed together with a surfboard leash around our ankles so i was attached to rio all night when he was in his wetsuit (laughs) what kind of food did you guys have first of all and how did everybody (laughs) stare at you guys the whole time when you were having dinner like that it was hilarious. I don't think we stopped laughing like the whole night. It was, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> and then that's in July, right? So it's their winter. At least it was a little on the colder side. Yeah. Yeah. At okay. least he wasn't like overheating in the wetsuit, but yeah, we've had some funny moments playing some card games. <laughs> yeah. Real wider, by the way, contender for rookie of the year on the men's side. A lot of people are picking him. One of your teammates last year with Meyer Surf Mentorship, too. He's riding Sharp Eye. We have the Vizla CT Shaper rankings, Alyssa. I know that you want to talk about your equipment and the whole amount of work that you've been putting into your boards, especially within the last two years. You want to talk to us about what you're riding and what kind of equipment you brought to Australia, too? Yeah, I've been riding Channel Islands for probably the last six years now. Um, but my go-to board has been the two happy and I ride it in a five, three and a half. Um, but yeah, over the last couple of years, I've definitely made quite a few changes to my boards. I used to ride like in the five, six and five, five range, quite long boards for me. I'm about five, three, I would say. So those boards were definitely like quite a few inches bigger than me. So just in the last, like, two years I decided to take three inches off my boards and they ended up working amazing so yeah it was pretty cool to kind of go through that change and you know it was definitely just kind of like a little bit of a challenge you know going from such a big difference in boards but it ended up working out great and yeah that's what I'm on now. So who got you on that program right there? Was it team manager Brent Power from Channel Islands or was it Britt Merrick in your kind of relationship with him that allowed you to go down in size? I had been talking to quite a few people just about, yeah, I guess switching up my boards. I had been doing some sessions with Jason Kenworthy at the time. Mm -hmm. We were traveling around doing some trips to Mexico and stuff. And he was the one who kind of first you know, suggested to me like, hey, why don't you try just like a shorter board and see how it goes? 
Um, and then I remember I went just like an inch shorter on one of mine. So it was like a five, five and I thought it felt better, but I was always really hesitant to, you know, go those couple inches shorter. Cause I was just like, Oh, it feels so tiny. Like <laughs> five, three, that sounds like such a small board. Um, and then, yeah, when I started working with Matt, he was like, you know, like, let's just try it. Let's order a couple boards and see how it goes. And yeah, I ended up ordering a couple in five, three and a half, and then they were magic. So yeah, it was definitely, you know, hard for me to want to take that leaf and shave off the couple inches. It was definitely a little bit intimidating, but once I did it, I ended up loving the boards and yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's more of a mental block than anything, right? Because I feel like if the board works, it doesn't matter what the, sh- uh, the the size or the shape is, a board's a board. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think riding the longer boards when I was younger really helped me be able to, you know, get like the fundamentals of good braille surfing and good technique and really having to draw out my turns because I wasn't able to, you know, just kind of flick my board around because it was definitely like pretty like, just like a few inches bigger than me. It was a pretty big board for me at the time. Um, So going from that down to a smaller board, once I really had, you know, good fundamentals with my technique, it was nice to kind of just free up my surfing and feel like I could place the board exactly where I wanted it to go. And yeah, that whole process of just working through, you know, getting my boards exactly how I wanted them was really fun. And yeah, we ended up with some great boards. (laughs) was the feeling immediately like was it immediate in the first session or two or did it take a while for you to adjust yourself the shorter boards yeah I mean I think it definitely took like a couple sessions but I feel like pretty quickly I realized that I really enjoyed the way that those boards rode and um yeah I I even stuck with the same model that I originally went with the two happy mm-hmm. so I've been riding those boards for the last two years pretty much and been loving them um and yeah kind of playing around a little bit here and there with like I don't know I guess different dimensions and stuff but it's all kind of been the same model and you know similar size (laughs) no stick to what works and by the way Channel Island Surfboards number four in the Vizsla CT Shaper rankings they could obviously use your help on the championship tour list I'm pretty sure we're going to (laughs) continue with the Vizsla CT Shaper rankings are going into 2024. Speaking of great surfboards, though, different materials, different stops on the Challenger series. Is there any spot that you go to where you're like, okay, I might need an epoxy, I might need a carbon-based board here. Do you normally have something like that in your quiver to every spot that you go to? I personally don't really normally ride epoxies. I've tried a couple, and I don't know. They just didn't like I didn't love them so I have my groveler boards that I really love the happy everyday and I ride mm-hmm. those I think in a 5-2 but they're all poly so I don't ride any epoxies but I always put one of those boards in my board bag everywhere I go just in case it's super tiny but um yeah that's kind of my go-to for when it's smaller and then, yeah, fun size waves. I'm just always on the five, three and a half, too happy. <laughs> so I need to give props to Brent Power, manager for Channel and Surfboards, and to Britt Merrick. They made me an amazing happy every day. I was just in El Salvador working an event down there. My board bag didn't make it back home with me, though. So the happy every day is still in the board bag. I hope it's intact, but the thing works magic. So I just want to let you guys know. It works great, but I don't have it in my possession right now, okay? So if you guys don't see it on my Instagram within the next few days or weeks, just be aware. Just be aware. All right, Alyssa, we'll take another quick break to get in a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, Instagram fan questions and are also lightning quick round. Don't go anywhere. More from the lineup coming up. Alyssa Spencer's today's guest on the lineup. And as always, the San Diegan an amazing surfer, an amazing person, but most importantly, a great human being overall. And that's why in today's Instagram fan question, everybody is super excited to ask Alyssa, uh, Alyssa excuse me, their favorite question. So Alyssa, yes or no, are you ready? 
for the Instagram fan questions. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Our first one from at Miguel Arana 15. This is a difficult one. What is your preheat playlist? Oh, that's a tough one. It changes a little bit, but I think my main go-to is some of my favorite songs from the surf movie, Leave a Message. Mm. I really like the song from Chris's part. I think it's called Misery Business by Paramore. <laughs> and then also the song from Malia Manuel's part. I don't remember what the name of the song is, but those two songs definitely get me hyped up before he... <laughs> It's a good little playlist. By the way, Nike 6.0, Leave a Message, probably one of the greatest surf films of all time, and especially because it really pushed women surfing as well and dropping some big names right there, both Carissa and Malia Manuel, Hawaiian royalty. I like it. Okay, <laughs> question two. You know this person. We knew he was going to submit a question. At Meyer Surf Mentorship, <laughs> Red Frogs or Ben and Jerry's? Oh, that's a hard one. I'm going to have to go with the Red Frogs because we've been eating a lot of those on this trip. <laughs> so is that an Australian ice cream brand or what's going on? I'm confused. No. So Red Frogs are these little gummy frogs and they're red. Oh. <laughs> and they sell them like everywhere here in Australia. And last year, I want to say we probably went through like 30 bags of them. Like it was a lot <laughs> we would like go buy a bag every night and the whole crew would just smoke them <laughs> well i hope you're not having too many of those before you heat. you're gonna have a sugar <laughs> overdose before you paddle out <laughs> all right our final question from the instagram fan questions and i think it's the most important one at stein h jorth one Please drop your dark pink surfboard details. People want to know the details, Alyssa. The dark pink surfboard. Well, I think there's a couple of those. So I don't know which one we're talking about. But if we're talking about the one I rode at Snapper, it's a 542 Happy. I actually don't know the rest of the dimensions of it. <laughs> what about the spray outline, though? How do you get that? Is that on top? Or is that before the last glass coating? Oh, it's a resin tint, actually. Okay. So, yeah, I, I've i gotten resin tints on a couple of the last batches of boards that I've gotten. And they've all ended up, like, a little bit different. Some of them light pink, some of them dark pink. And, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> okay. I like it. Uh, I, don't, go, don't go neon, though. We don't want to bring back the 80s. Just keep it to the pink. <laughs> You're kind of matching Jackson Baker's uh, attitude right there. And if you know Jacko, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. So I like it. Bring out the pink. It's cool. Okay. <laughs> this is the most fun you're going to have in the entire lineup podcast. Lightning round. <laughs> I'm going to ask you 10 questions and you're going to answer as fast as you can. Okay. All right. Okay. Question one. If you would have to have one board set up for the rest of your life, single, twin fin, thruster, quad, bonds, or finless, whatever, what would you have? I'd have to say my 410 Bobby Quad is probably Ooh. my favorite board and like most fun board that I've ever ridden. So I'm going to have to go with that. <laughs> I like it, especially because Bobby Martinez, fellow goofy footer too. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> Coffee or tea? tea not a big coffee drinker are you i do like coffee but i'm trying to stay away from it so we're gonna say tea <laughs> <laughs> okay i see if you'd have to go burrito or pizza burrito for sure yeah. that's a san diegan <laughs> answer right there it was straight california oh, yeah. for you uh, by the way any good mexican food in australia so far I haven't had any. It's just not the same. It's not the same as home. <laughs> that's that's the right answer. Last book you read? <laughs> Ooh, last book I read. <laughs> I'm reading a book right now called The Untethered Soul, but before that, I can't remember. <laughs> What's this book about? It's about, like, I guess, like, mindset and meditation. Okay. 
yeah. <laughs> Did Matt get you onto something like that? No. <laughs> so that was a personal decision of yours to try to read one of these books. It was actually from, I'm working with like a mental coach. So it was from him. <laughs> okay. That's really yeah. cool. Interesting. Yeah. Pretty sure I know the answer to this question right here, but best surf film ever. Best surf film ever? I think I'm going to have to go with leave a message. <laughs> what about Surf's Up? Could we put that in best surf film ever too? Does it fall under the category of surf film? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it is an animated film too. But <laughs> it could. They do surf, the penguins. So maybe. Who knows? Depend- we'll, we'll adjust the criteria. It's fine. We'll keep it with leave a message. Uh, <laughs> this is a really tough question. We just had Luca Messina's on, and I guessed his answer before he even said it because I traveled to the spot with him. <laughs> One wave you never have to go back to. I never have to go back to Virginia Beach. <laughs> he answered the same thing again. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I wonder if that would be everyone's answer on the North America QS. If, if there anybody that has to go through our qualifying series lineup, I think it very might be. So two for two so far. Um, now, the flip side, if you only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life. Oh, my goodness. This one's so hard. Maybe macaronis in Indonesia. <laughs> That's a goofy footer's answer right there. And I love it. Um, I think if Chris Cote and everybody from Encinitas, the, the Latros from, from Seaside oh. hear this, they're going to be so <laughs> mad at you, though. I know, I know. <laughs> okay. Best person best person to share a lineup with? Hmm. That's a hard one. <laughs> I don't know if I can just choose one person. <laughs> go, go with two. Go with two. I'll give you a little leeway right here. Hmm. I don't know if I, I don't know if I have an answer for that one, honestly. Cause I feel okay. like most of my friends that I surf with, I feel like we would all just end up giving each other a hard time and hassling each other. <laughs> and you just can't say Ty and your father either. Because that will leave your mom I know. out too. I know. <laughs> it's all good. Okay, we'll keep that one blank. We'll keep that one blank. Next time you come on the pod, we'll ask you again and see if you have an answer this time. <laughs> Uh, worst person to share a lineup with? Uh, I don't think I have an answer for that one. Either. Alyssa, <laughs> come on, we can't go two questions back to that. Worst an person, worst person. I, uh, I just I can't say. <laughs> just spit it out. I know there's somebody right there that you really did love yeah. surfing with. No, no, no. <laughs> It's all good. We can just say everybody from San Clemente that catch too many waves. Just kidding. Love you guys 2%. Um, and last but not least, this is a pretty, pretty cool one because I feel like we end with the high note on the lineup here. Finish the sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by. Hmm. I will next achieve state of happiness by. That's a hard question. <laughs> Maybe winning Nairbeam. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it, Alyssa. <laughs> we got to get you on tour. Uh, okay, let's finish up today's episode with the great Alyssa Spencer. Goals and aspirations, short-term, long-term, anything for 2023. Will we be seeing you on the 2024 championship tour? Yes, we will. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so out of the out of the stops that we have on the CS, some very good for you, others maybe a little bit different, not the consistency that you liked. Great result in Brazil last year, obviously with the win. US Open, we know you're gonna get better. But what what can we expect from Melissa Spencer going into the GWM Sydney Surf Pro? Yeah, I think I'm just really looking forward to surfing fun ways in this event and yeah, I'm hoping that I can put together some good heats and yeah hopefully come out with a win from this event <laughs> we'd love to see it one of san diego's greatest doofy footer Alyssa spencer from the united states of america Alyssa, we appreciate your time good luck in sydney and the rest of your travels this season
Thank you, guys. So that is it. Today's conversation on the lineup with San Diego's own Alyssa Spencer. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you tune in to WorldSurfLeague.com and the WSL app to watch none other than the Surf Ranch Pro presented by 805 Beer, May 27th to the 28th. This episode is produced by Miguel Clemente with art direction by Jason Penning and copywriting by Dan Willem. Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges that it is recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Gadigal native Australian people, the Hashimin in Southern California, and the Kumie people in Los Angeles. Hope you get some waves wherever you are. Enjoy the lineup and see you at the Sir French Pro presented by 805 Beer.